SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, hour number two. I'm Dane Martinez. Got my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct, giving out winners from the basement. And, Kev, we turn our attention to the NFL, where yesterday we made the point that it was the deadline. Like, if you were franchise tagged, you had until yesterday, July 15th, to kind of work out a long-term deal with your team. And, honestly, before we get into some who did, some who didn't, you know, Kev, I've been thinking and hearing that, Teams were going to be less likely to pony up for those long-term deals in the context of coronavirus, right? Where we don't know what the salary cap is going to do over the next three, four years. We don't know if games are going to get played and the season is going to get finished. Remember now the union and the owners are back and forth about putting some of the salary in escrow. Meanwhile, having fully guaranteed pay come out. I can understand while in this environment, teams may be a little hesitant to, you know, sign away some long-term money. Some people got paid, others didn't. How do you read how this kind of deadline came and gone? Yeah, I don't know. It, did it? You have to think that maybe COVID had a little bit of an impact because I, I saw a, a tweet yeah. from Adam Schefter who had said we saw more people uh, kind of put on the tag I think it was since the, the 1990s. Yeah, 1993. I think 11 uh, the 12 players. On the tab. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, that to me is is pretty interesting. And you would have to think that, you know, if you're breaking a, a record of most ever since a 93, something like the current situation in our times is probably having an impact on that because, you know, you lock yourselves into a, a long term deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, how is that going to impact your team next year? where there's uncertainty around the salary cap. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, um, just like how we talked about in baseball, just like how we talked about in basketball, you know, this opportunity of revenue is not going to happen this year if and when the NFL goes down. What does that mean for the salary cap? So an important factor to consider as teams and players look to sign those long-term deals. But Kevin, someone who did get paid was Titans running back Derek Henry, okay? He was franchise tagged, but they did work out a long-term deal, the details of which are becoming apparent. It looks like it is a four-year $50 million extension that breaks out to around $12.5 million a year, 25 and a half of which is guaranteed. Listen, I think Derrick Henry got a pretty good deal out of this. We know about the shelf life of running backs. You know about how we don't want to give him the big money or give him the extension. We talked on this show. Derrick Henry certainly qualifies as a bell cow. How did you respond to this news? You think it was good that the Titans and Henry came to a landing spot together? I was a bit surprised. By this news, because this yep. did seem, and and maybe maybe it wasn't the case, but it, it seemed as if the player was okay with playing on the tag, and I thought that the tag did make some sense for the Titans, right. where you know you, you let that move take place because you know there is always these question marks that'll surround the running back position, not only health wise but value wise. Where okay, we go for it, we can make this happen. Uh, let's hope that this year is a success and. Then we can reevaluate. Let's get a full season of Ryan Tannehill under our belt before we, I guess, would make a full commitment to the offensive core. The, the decision to get this done, I, I do understand it, though, because, the, again, the way contracts work, all that matters is the guaranteed money, right? So right. they can move some things around after, I think, the first two years of this deal. But it was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess Tennessee sees their opening, right? They've locked in Tannehill. Now they've locked in Henry. You've got guys like A.J. Brown on the outside. Tennessee thinks that they are on the come. And by the way, they won a playoff game last year. So you'd have to agree that there's reason for them to kind of shove all in a little bit. From the betting aspect of it, though, here's what I think. Mm. And tell me if I'm crazy. You know, you and I have always thought that they franchise tag Derrick Henry. 
because they were going to like chew him up and spit him out, right? That they were going to use him up and then he'd be someone else's problem when he has all the wear and tear on that tire. I thought because of that theory, he was an interesting bet to once again lead the NFL in rushing yards, Kev. And he is the favorite to do so over at our partners on FanDuel at plus 750, okay, followed by Saquon, Zeke Elliott, McCaffrey, you know the names, but he was the favorite to do so. I thought part of the reason why I thought he was a deserving favorite, Kev, was because of what I just said, that they were just going to turn and hand them the rock because they were going to use, you know, good to the last drop, and then they can kind of let him walk and hit that open market. The fact that they now will have him for four more years, Kev, do you think that in any way that means they're going to manage his load a little bit more to get him across four years? And then, by the law of syllogism, if then, does that mean he is a less likely and a less deserving favorite to lead the league in rushing this year? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So I remember when we were going through these props, and you know, I've kind of just pulled up some of the notes that I had down with me. Uh, as we went into that discussion, because I remember yeah. liking Derrick Henry to win the rushing title. And over the nine games that Ryan Tannehill was the starting quarterback, Derrick Henry averaged 124.9 yards yeah, per game. Damn good. Okay. <laughs> over a 16-game season, he's two yards That's away a That's from a 2,000-yard yeah. season. Absolutely. Now, again, with regression, because that is ridiculous, he can right. still comfortably lead the league in yards. And even with less carries, like they were pushing him a lot last year, I would say, Dane. And do you think that in their mindset, you know, especially going into the playoffs, where they're like, ah, you know, we probably won't be seeing him back? I don't think so. I think they always thought Derrick Henry would still be a part of the team last year. So I think that they brought Derrick Henry in because they believe he is very important to this team. I do not believe they're going to lessen the workload. Uh, um, okay. Derrick Henry's, I think they're going to continue to hope that they have a bit of a balance between okay. Derrick Henry and the play action with Ryan Tannehill. I just think the, I mean, the, the numbers that he put up while Tannehill was that quarterback, oh, absolutely hard to ignore. Plus 750, by the way, is a massive dog, even if he's the favorite, right? That's a massive cash if that were able to come home. Yeah, with any of them, right? Because all any of these backs need to do is miss a game with a sprained ankle. And then, you know, they're probably done in this market, at least. We talked about Derrick Henry, who did get paid probably the most high-profile name of this deadline that passed yesterday's quarterback, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. We had our poll question about him yesterday. And it seems like maybe they talked a little bit right at the very end. But no, there is no deal to be made. So he will play under the franchise tag at like $31 million. And then if it happens again next year, it goes up to 38. This is kind of following the Kirk Cousins path of a few years ago with the Washington football team. Maybe we'll find out what they're called in the next couple of days also. But Kev, I understand it. Okay, I understand Dak betting on himself. He got the big raise this year. He's gonna make $70 million over the next two years or more. From another team, right? I get that. I get that. And I saw out on social media, Kev, that um, you think that Dak is playing this lovely, okay? Mm -hmm. And while I don't disagree with you, can I play devil's advocate for you just a little bit? Sure. Here would be the other side. The fact, two reasons, and it all comes down to long-term security. Right. What Dak is risking by going at this way, you know, franchise tag, franchise tag again next year, then maybe pay dirt or maybe, you know, they move him or he signs a big money open market deal with another team. Absolutely. He then cashes in just like Kirk Cousins. But I'll give you two things why it is more risky. One, football is still a violent sport, Kev, and there is no guarantee that he gets the next offseason in the same condition, in the same way, you know, that he would be that same kind of asset uh, on the open market or for the Dallas Cowboys. That is possible, right? It is a non-zero chance. I'm not wishing a catastrophic injury on Dak, but it's possible. It is the risk you take by going this way. The other part is what we just talked about, Kev, in this context of coronavirus, Right. I don't know what the salary cap is going to be like. I don't know what the market is going to be like. We have said in other guys, right, like with Jadavion Clowney, for example, we're like, yo, put pen to paper right now in this uncertainty. Right. So for me, there's two ways to play it. 
One is this route that Kirk Cousins went. Dak is doing that. And there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. My only concern is, hey, you got to get to the end of the rainbow healthy. That's one thing. And the other is the pot of gold may not be as big as it used to be because of coronavirus. Call me crazy. What do you think, Kev? So the health stuff is always going to be valid. Always going to be a very realistic possibility. But he's better on himself before. And I think it may be, you know, it, it could be a dangerous way to go about it. But I understand why he's not missed a game yet. And he's going to continue to push through. COVID, actually, though, is a bigger concern for the Cowboys than Dak Prescott. Why is because that? next year, he gets tagged again. And again, there's no reason for him not to take the tag again next year. And here's why it's dangerous. That number is going to be around $37.7 yeah. no matter what. That doesn't change based on the salary cap. And yesterday's poll, the winning percentage was that it was his last season, and I think our voters maybe yeah. were on to something there. I saw a nice little uh, chart put together by uh, ESPN's Bill Barnwell, which talked about how that 37.7, let's call it $38 million, right. while it is stagnant, the amount that it could hurt the Cowboys just will depend on what that salary cap number is. So if the salary cap number is, you know, 210, Dallas then can roll over some money. They'll have about 220. It would be a 17% cap hit for them, and it would feel like a $37 million cap hit, which is, again, what the number would be. But let's just say the salary cap, Dane, dropped to 110. $80 million, mid, you know, down, mid-level sure. COVID number, right? Sure. And so, again, Dallas can roll over $10 million. They've got 190 Well, now that 37.7 would be 19.8% of the cap, and it would be a 2020 equivalent to a $43 million cap it. This goes as far as if the cap is at 150 Dallas rolls over the 160 that $38 million contract, if the cap were to go that low, Dane, would feel like a $51 million cap hit. The Cowboys right. cannot have their cap swallowed up in that way. If COVID crumbles the salary cap going into next year, our poll might just have been right. Our voters might have been right. This season might be Dak's last season in Dallas. Yeah, I hear you. For me, the salary cap thing is like once he hits the open market, though, if he hits the open market, how would other teams be wanting to stomach a huge money deal or a lot of years in that uncertainty? This is the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, who are the favorites at minus 105 to win the NFC East. When we come back, we turn our attention to Major League Baseball. We got some MRIs on Jacob deGrom and the NL Central to talk about. Come on back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here on the early line on sports grid. Kevin Walsh and I put the fun and functional sports content, giving you all the information you need to know to enter the day and get a little bit of extra money in your balance by the end of the day. Kevin, we turn our attention to major league baseball. And I don't know if you heard that Kev, but that is the collective New York Mets fan base exhaling a little bit. Um, yesterday evening or afternoon, we talked about it yesterday morning, Jacob deGrom, left his kind of intra-squad start after only an inning yesterday or two days ago. But with back tightness, he went for an MRI. The good news for Mets fans and anyone backing the Mets, and you know I am a Mets backer this year as well, in the variance, a lot of that was tied to Jacob deGrom. Well, Kev, his MRI, it looked, came back clean. Nothing to be concerned about. Big uh, helpful news here for the New York Mets and their fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, 
I definitely think it still begs the question a little bit of what's the situation then, right? Came out sure. clean, great, but back tightness, could he miss the first start? I think right. that matters, again, not as much for when we talk about win totals, but because we talked about just how few innings might be available for some of these starting pitchers. When we talk NL Cy Young market, if the favorite is even going to miss just two starts, Dane, we talked about how that yeah. could completely derail any hopes he might have of going out there and you know being able to go for a three-peat, which I think is going to be pretty tough in of itself. I think it's very difficult to three-peat on awards. So I'm interested to see. I think it's obviously great news for the Mets, but I think now we still kind of wait on a timetable of whether DeGrom will be a full go a, you know, eight days from now. Yeah, it is eight days from now. And I got to tell you, if, if I was a betting man, and you know I am because we're here on Sports Grid, I'd say no, Kev. You know what I mean? Like he's being, you know, paused for a little while, right? So to be, to toe the slab on opening day for the Mets, he'd have to ramp up a little bit. Like this, I think, kills an opportunity for him to ramp up. And Kev, even if it's a start or two, we have talked about this in the NL East where the four teams are separated in their win totals literally by two games. Every game is going to be important, especially if any of these starts are against another one of the three contenders in the NL East, you know? So we'll have to look at that schedule. It potentially is, but I do think this matters here in a division that is so tight. Another thing we heard Yesterday, Kev, is the idea of Houston Astros reliever Joe Smith. It's kind of back and forth. He was put on a restricted list. It looks like he may opt out of the 2020 season. You know, I think this is important, and here's why, Kev. You know, Osuna is still their closer. I get that. But remember, I think more innings will be dedicated to the bullpen this year as guys make shorter starts. We already know Verlander is kind of nursing himself. He's going to be ready. Grinky, not a spring chicken as well for that rotation. I think Joe Smith was going to pitch important high leverage innings for these Houston Astros. What do you think the impact is if, in fact, Joe Smith cannot go for Houston in the 2020 season? Again, I think I would argue to you, Dane, that if I were to end up finding myself losing players, the last spot I would want to want that to be is the bullpen. Line yeah. up, especially if you're the Astros, right? Line up, you'll figure it out. They, they've got so yeah. many elite guys there. The rotation, you know, again, it'll be team-dependent. But it does seem like the bullpen's going to have to carry a massive load in this 60-game schedule here. And, you know, to lose anybody that's supposed to be, you know, listed as one of your top relievers, or even if it's an innings eater, you know, all of these bullpen arms matter. All of them matter. So, you know, does this all of a sudden mean that the Astros, if you like them to win the West, should you be off them to win the West? I'm not sure about that, but it's something to keep in mind because if then say another guy comes up, right? And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. We just don't know when the list of names will almost be, you know, completed, right? You would submit the, all right, these are the guys who are out. We don't know when that yeah. is. If another name and say the bullpen, then all of a sudden Dane was out. And this yeah. is the other thing. It, it's not always, you know, we talked about this a little bit here. It's not always just going to be with the Rondo injury, right? right. COVID opt-outs. If a guy gets hurt, right? Yeah. The, right. the bullpen is just weaker from that. So I think there's obviously a lot at play here um, for sure when it comes to, the bullpen arms mattering, and this is obviously not good news for the Astros. No, it is not good news, and I think you're right. Like, unfortunately, Kev, you know, we you have your confidence meter and all that stuff, right? And we're confident these leagues are going to start, okay? Opening day is going to mm-hmm. happen a week from tonight. Uh, you know, uh, the NFL, they're going to give it a shot. The NBA, they're going to try. MLS has already tried, right? There's been some yeah. sacrifices, but I, it feels to me, Kev, that this has – this really has like a last man standing kind of feel, right? Because you mentioned people are going to get hurt regardless of COVID. There's going to be opt-outs. There's going to be testing positive. It really feels like, you know, it's going to be chipped away at. And that's the interesting part here. So this is one member 
of an Astros bullpen, right? Then there's going to be another and another. I really feel like this is going to be such a war of attrition in Major League Baseball this year. And whoever's left standing with enough talent and enough depth on that 60-man roster is going to kind of be there at the end. You mentioned the AL West market, though. You know, the Astros are favorites at minus 145. They're the second choice in the entire league in the American League. But the Oakland A's are there at plus 230. You know I'm high and bullish on the Angels at 5-1. to one. If you were going to fade the Astros, where would you go in the AL West? Would it be their win total or betting one of these other quasi-contenders to win the division? Yeah, I think when, when we look at this division, one of the things we've talked about a lot just with the American League as a whole is the fact that the A's are one of those teams with a minus number to make the playoffs. The expectation for right. the A's is that they're going to, you know, they're going to find themselves in the postseason. Now there actually are more teams at a minus number than there are spots available, but people do like this A's team. And we've also again, we've talked about the Angels. Now, yeah, I'm I think maybe we've have we cooled a little bit because there almost feels like it's inevitable that at some point Mike Trout will will have to right. leave the team. I think that I think that that's fair, but the fact that you could list two names, and again, with the variance, he's like, who knows? Maybe Corey Kluber shows up in Texas and flips right. things around and puts forward a Cy Young type of season. So I think maybe even just playing in the division market where the Astros are a minus 145 favorite, if you start to find, you know, maybe you think that, oh, the fact that they're not cheating anymore could potentially hey. um, lower some of their numbers, then and whether it be the A's, the Angels, or Angels, I'm not sure if anybody's going to get on the Mariners, right? I mean, that's a wild number that, that they're at, 90 to 1. Um, but I definitely, I definitely think there's, there's a lot out there, um, in that division market where you can try and and maybe fade the Astros. All right. Fair enough. Another division market that we want to look at is the NL central. As we continue doing our previews of teams and divisions for major league baseball, we talked about the AL central earlier this week, Kev. And one of the big points I've been making is that I believe at least the strength of schedule for all 10 teams in the AL and the NL Central are a little bit easier than the East and the West. And so who is primed to take advantage of that is a big question. I'll reset the division odds. We have co-favorites right now in the NL Central, Kev. The Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds are at plus 230. The Reds are a team who I've heard a number of people think are this kind of maybe young upstart team in the variance-driven season, can maybe make a push. We'll talk about them a little bit later on. The Cardinals at plus 240. Remember, they just lost their closer, Jordan Hicks, had opted out of the 2020 season. Then you got the Milwaukee Brewers at plus 350. And then the Pirates all the way in the rearview mirror at 70-1. to Let me ask you first, as we get into the NL Central, do you buy that idea? Listen, we've talked about the NL East and all of those contenders up high in the NL pennant chase. We know the Dodgers and the Astros reside out West. Talk to me. Do you think the Central is, in fact, an easier path? And does that benefit, oh, I don't know, teams like the Cubs or the Reds or the Cardinals when they're competing against teams like, say, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets, or the Braves for a wild card spot in the National League? Yeah, so I think we're looking at a situation here where whomever you might like to win this division, you also have to be betting they're over. The high number in the division is 31 and a half. Now, three different right. teams have it, right? <laughs> but I think you have to be betting they're over because it, it does ask the question, is a division leader going to just be over? Again, the, the, the through 60 games last year, the Yanks had 38, Twins had 40, Astros had 40, the Braves were the low 33, the Brewers and the Cubs actually were tied at 34, then the Dodgers at 41. The, the division winners, I do not see a world where they are at 31 wins. I do not see that right. at all. Now, of course, you have to pick you have to pick the right team. But from that premise alone, Dane, because they can't come out and really commit to any of these teams, whomever you are on, you gotta be betting over. And you could be betting over on a couple of of these teams, I think I, I've personally found the NL Central is maybe the the division where I most would be looking to bet some overs on win totals, just because all of it's so low. The Reds, the Cubs, and the Cardinals all thirty one and a half, and the Brewers coming in at thirty and a half. The struggle though that I have had is everything that you've talked about when it comes to playing the Tigers, the Royals, the Pirates is a hundred percent true. But let's just take the Cubs for example. They still have a bunch of games, not just against 
the Twins, the Indians, the improving White Sox, but against the Cubs, right? Against the Reds, the Brewers, the Cardinals. Like, they'll have to play one another. Yeah. So that's where it, I don't – the strength of schedule relative to, you know, some of the NL East teams, is it easier on balance? Probably. But it also could be a timing scenario maybe, Dane, when you see the Reds. And do you find yourself on a three-trip that has you facing Castillo, Gray, and Bauer? Or maybe you right. get the back end of that rotation. I think the timing might just be the difference maker when it comes to the NL Central. Okay, fair enough. We keep on talking about the Reds. We're going to talk about them more on the other side of the break. I got to tell you the truth, Kev. I'm on this Cincinnati Reds team. You talk about it. I always say I look at the top three starters of the rotation. I like what those guys here have. We'll talk about them a little bit more, but they also have my new face in a new place here in this division, and it is Nick Castellanos coming from Detroit over to Cincinnati. I think he can do something in this lineup. And Kev, also going from Detroit, which is a big-time pitcher's ballpark, cavernous, to the Great American Small Park there in Cincinnati, I think is a nice little boost for Castellanos and his numbers this year. Do you buy the ballpark, ballpark factor as a reason to be encouraged for Castellanos? Yeah, they look to add a lot of power. I believe he led baseball last year in doubles, and they've talked kind of about how some of those doubles all of a sudden playing in Cincy, they might just yeah. be able to get over the fence. And this is the team, they, they look to add some power. They got pitching and they got power. Cincinnati. I, I think we talk about 2020 baseball. Uh, Cincinnati yeah. might perfectly fit the description of what you're looking for. Yep. I am going to make my case for the Reds. You're right. Pitching and power. I also think they've got some reasons where they're going to positively regress to the mean in a way that helps. I'll make my case and I want to hear if you've got a rebuttal when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man live and direct from the basement. It is Kevin Walsh. Kevin, we're looking at the NL Central, and I got to tell you the truth. I see a lot of reasons why the Cincinnati Reds may be primed to be that young, hot squad that in this variance-laden season you know, takes that step forward, okay? They are plus 230 to win the NL Central. Let me lay a couple of things on you, Kevin, see if I'm crazy or if this moves the needle for you. First of all, I'm telling you, I think there is no better uh, top of a staff in this division than the Cincinnati Reds. To me, Castillo, Bauer, and Gray, whatever order you want to put them in, they are a big three. And to be quite honest, you know, they they are all interesting contenders to me for the NL Cy Young, specifically Castillo at 13 to 1, Bauer at 16 to 1, and Gray at 23 to 1. But the rest of my argument here has a lot of regression going on. I think the Reds were a very unlucky team last year, Kevin. Let me explain to you why, okay? I look at run differential as a stat. And last year, Kev, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, they were 12 games under 500. Their run differential was only minus 10, okay? The Phillies, for example, were 500, 81 and 81 last year. Their run differential, minus 20, worse than the Reds. You know, the Giants, who, by the way, had a better record also in the National League than the Reds with 77 wins, their run differential, minus 95, Kev. You know, so to me, they're minus 10. They are hanging with teams. They got unlucky. And then I look at some more stats and it backs that up. Check this out, Kev. The Reds were number one in the Major League Baseball last year with 12, Kevin, 
12 walk-off losses. People hit go-home home runs, walk-off home runs against them 12 times last year. The league average was six. That's six games right there. They are they were 26th in the league last year in BABIP, which, as you know, Kevin is an advanced stat on the offensive side that has some luck involved. They were not getting balls in play that were finding holes or anything like that. They were 27th in the league last year in comeback wins. They had people coming back on them. They weren't doing it. That speaks to, again, the kind of unluckiness of it all. But when I look at some stats that I think matter about their power pitching, fourth in the majors with opponent batting average against it. People were not hitting these red starters. They were also fourth in major league baseball as a staff in terms of K per nine innings. To me, that is power arms and they got unlucky a little bit. I think if that all regresses in this variant season, I like the reds at plus two thirty to win this NL central Kev, Call me crazy. No, I don't think you're crazy, but I think one of the things with the Reds that I've start, started to realize is I think they might have began a lot of these discussions as a sleeper for a lot of people. Mm. They're, they're favored to win this division. They're tied with the Cubs to win this division. So I do think that, and I just wonder how much that might change the perception for some. Like, you've gone out, you've done the research, and you've found the reasons why you like this Reds team. Yeah. And you can't go back and change any of that. But I, I wonder if when well, you had started, <laughs> right? But I'm saying is I wonder if, if when you had started all of this, right, as opposed yeah. to finding a darling, a diamond, if you will, right? How you, right. which you've done so often, right? When you think about the Angels, the White Sox, the sure. Mets, right? Like a lot of times we've come out of these divisions, Dan, and you found yourself elsewhere, right? When it, you know, I'm, I'm not really on That's the brains, right? Whatever it might be, the Reds, when we would have usually had this conversation, would have fit that description. They are now the same as the Cubs, a plus 230 favorite to win this division. The question then becomes, is that justifiable? Is this team really the best team in the NL Central? Not a surprise, not a sleeper. Are they really the best team in the Central? It is possible. And a lot of that is going to come through the pitching staff as a whole, right? Iglesias was great last year. Michael Lorenz, Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett, by the way. That's the home. St. John's. Fantastic. Right. Absolutely. Queens all day. Like, there's there's a lot to like with this bullpen. They brought in Pedro Strop. Can he potentially refine uh, his old form and be a fourth arm that they right. can rely on out of the bullpen? That would be incredible because of what they have at the top of this staff. That's why I think they're different than, say, when we think about the Washington Nationals, right? Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Right. I'd still take that three over this three that Cincinnati. But the the gap here, the difference here, would be the bullpen. I think there are some legitimate question marks around Trevor Bauer, who I like in, in terms of, like, I personally enjoy Trevor Bauer. As a follow? I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I think that he, like, just his forwardness and upfrontness with a lot of the issues within baseball, I appreciate. But Trevor Bauer was terrible. Not, not as good as we're saying. Not average. Right. He was terrible when he went to Cincinnati last year. And the reason why that could be concerning is how much of a hitter's park it is. Now, Mm. Bauer's gone through every advanced number probably 10 times over as he's waited to get the season underway. And if anybody's going to fix it and find the edge, it would likely be Trevor Bauer. But if all of a sudden Bauer is bad, then you see how it changes the outlook on the rotation a ton. The lineup is one that is where I don't know if I can go full on. This is the best team in the Central. Votto is okay. not the same. Gets on base, but he's not the same guy. And then will some of the power numbers that they saw last year, I'm looking at you, Eugenio Suarez, will those remain, right? Is that right. realistic, right? You know, Aristides Aquino, is that for real what, what he did? That's a ready-made DH, though, in the NL Central. That's a ready-made DH, just like Kyle Schwarber would be for the Cubs, right? Yes, and look, they're going to have. They're probably going to move around the, the, the DH position a bit, if, if possible, between Mustakas, Castellanos, and Aquino, yeah. right? But is, is that power for real that we saw from some of those guys? And maybe some of the hesitation I have with the Reds is we are looking at two... Is consistent the right word? It is certainly for the Cardinals. Two, you know, respected clubs, at least over the past couple of years, when we think about the Cardinals, 
the Cubs, and even the Brewers who have found themselves in the playoffs two consecutive. The Pirates were like, hey, we're, hey, I'm good, right? Bet the Pirates under. And that might be all of the time that we should spend on that team. But I want to quickly, I want to, I want to make sure we had on the Cardinals specifically. But yeah. I wanted to ask you something that I don't know if it'll matter to you. Since 2008, every single year they've been over 500. Every year, not missed once. Since 2008. And only right. once in that time span did their, did their amount of wins prorated over 60 games not go above 31 and a half. The Cardinals have been a model of consistency. And all that matters is this year. Not last year, not 2008 certainly, but there's right. something to be said about the model of consistency that this team has been. And now maybe that just means to bet they're over and not to win the division. But the team that won the division, for them to be off the 230 line that the Cubs and the Reds are on, I can't help but look at it a bit harder, Dane. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's fair. I'm I'm personally not in on the Cardinals. They lost Ozuna in the middle of that mm-hmm. lineup, right? I, I don't know what Goldie has left around him. And I actually think Goldie is starting to regress himself. You mentioned Joey Votto not being what he was in this division, right? I don't know that. This is not the Paul Goldschmidt that was a first-round pick with the Arizona Diamondbacks in fantasy for years and years and years. I love Flaherty as a kid at the top of that rotation. I have a little bit of questions about some of the other ones, Nicholas included. I just don't think they have the thump. You're right. They are a model of consistency. I just think maybe another team can break through that glass ceiling. It sounds like you're hesitant on the Reds, though. Are you leaning Cardinals for this division? Milwaukee, Chicago? Who do you like? See, the funny thing is, as much as I've talked about the value that exists for the Central, I understand why nobody is really committed. Because everything you just said about the Cardinals, couldn't agree more with. I mean, my everything that you just said pretty much is within my notes. Hey, what about Jordan Hicks? Like, is Goldie the same? Marcelo Zuna is gone. Like, all of that is in my notes, so it's all 100% true. I would, before we move on to the Cubs, I think Jack Flaherty, because you talked about the Cy Young race, also belongs in that conversation if they win this division. If he's yep. able to, you know, be fortunate when and see more Pirates and Royals and Tigers games, could that be big for him? I think it's certainly possible. And, uh, you know, he's already going to be their opening day starter. So Flaherty is right. someone to keep an eye on. The Cubs are fascinating. I look at a team here that could win 40 games. I look at a team here that would might be lucky to crack 500. This is a this is the boomer bust team, I think, when we look at this division. And the boom is in the lineup, right? But we've also heard, like, we've heard some, you know, Chris Bryant, how comfortable is he? Anthony Rizzo currently dealing with some back trouble. But there are a lot of guys to like in this lineup. I mean, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Rizzo, Javier Baez. I mean, what a ridiculous start to any lineup. The question marks will come with the rotation. But Hugh Darvis was fantastic over this last, uh, the second half of last season. Kyle Hendricks is a guy that, I think it is fair to trust. You know, what are they going to get from John Lester? Maybe, you know, he'll be able to pace himself and be a veteran and figure it out over again over, you know, 13 starts. I thought Alec, you know, Alec Mills, there's some underlying numbers there that suggest he might be a little bit of a diamond uh, if we were to look for a diamond. I think if I had to pick one, I think it'd be the Cubs. And for a reason I really didn't expect, Dane, it's David Ross and the fact that Joe Madden is out. I didn't expect this at all, but I, I, I continued to look through this team. And last year they finished 8-15 and 15 over their last 23, and it cost them a spot in the postseason. And, if, and, and they started to say that they felt as if the attitude around the club, they didn't take things serious enough. And that, you know, not to put the blame on Joe Madden, but, you know, just kind of passing the buck, and nobody really was holding anybody accountable. And I saw myself, well, now they're bringing a buddy in. I mean, David Ross won a World Series with a lot of these guys. But they've always said that David Ross was more of a disciplinarian, even when a player for that team. Right. They looked up to him. They respect him. And sometimes that change is necessary. I think bringing in David Ross, just kind of bringing maybe a little bit of extra juice to this Cubs team, pushes me maybe a little bit more towards the boom than the bust for the Cubs this year. Fair enough. Obviously, their offense, you mentioned it, Rizzo, Brian, Schwarber, Baez, even Wilson Contreras at the catcher spot, all yep. in the fantasy world, have very high ADPs. My man Joe Ranieri knows the biggest question on a day-to-day basis is what is the wind doing in Wrigley? We'll talk about that when we come back as well right here 
on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. Kevin and I were talking about the NL Central, and, you know, Kevin is leaning a little bit Cubs. I'm leaning a little bit Reds. Kevin, I want to tell you, you know, I used to be doing this show with our guy Joe Ranieri, Make It Rain, and literally when we would make our picks in baseball season, I'd say, wait, I need to know the most important information of the day. And it was, is the wind blowing in or out at Wrigley vis-a-vis the total? Kevin, especially in this year where there's so much variance you know what I know is that when the wind blows out, I take the over because the balls fly out. When the wind blows in, it's going to be a little bit of a difference. Would you put more stock into something like that? The wind at Wrigley in this um, kind of uncertain season, I think it is a big-time trend to play with the totals on the Cubs in their home games. Yeah, I won't doubt you. You're familiar with it. Um, also, like there being a random tornado during a Cubs game because it's 2020, won't rule it out. <laughs> Fair enough. One other thing I know we wanted to talk about because it's a conglomerate of a lot of points we've been making is the idea of the importance of the bullpen. How will pitchers, starters versus relievers be stressed out? Well, the Milwaukee Brewers have, have a dominant reliever who is not technically their closer in Josh Hader, right? This is a guy who usually pitches the high leverage innings, whether that's in the seventh or eighth, what have you. And we think bullpens are going to be used a little bit different. We think there could be some dominant bullpen performances. Two questions for you on Hader on the Brewers. One, how would you manage Josh Hader this year, right? Like, when would you use him? How would that look like? And two, do you think it's crazy? I see him in the NL Cy Young Award market at 50 to 1. The favorite is having back tightness right now. And we think that relievers may have more opportunity this season than most. What are your thoughts on Josh Hader in this division? Yeah, I think Josh Hader is live for the Cy Young. Everything that we've said about Araldis Chapman might even be more true for Josh Hader because, you know, you could see a world where the Brewers will throw him out there for three innings, whatever it might be, right? Right. Uh, Certainly could lead baseball in saves. Will have a tremendous K per nine. I think all of that is there. And I think with the Brewers especially, Because Craig Council is going to have to get creative with this team. The reason why they are off the favorites line, if you will, if they're off that 31.5, is this rotation leaves a lot to be desired. And it's going to require Craig Council to to get creative and figure out what he wants to do with this bullpen. And we might find ourselves through 30 games saying, man, Josh Hader is legitimately the most important player on this team, maybe outside of, uh, of Christian Yelich. I wish there was uh, manager of the year props available. I would be taking a look over uh, at my <laughs> council. I think he could potentially be in that running. And I will say this. I legitimately would not be mad if you took these top four teams, Dane, and went over on every single one of them. They, there's just there's value to be had. The idea that three of them get over, right, I think is, yeah. I think is in play. I, I, again, I look through Last year, those, you know, the records through 60 games, 34 wins for the Brewers, 34 wins for the Cubs, 31 wins for the Cardinals. Now, Pittsburgh, yeah. wildly enough, was at 31 wins at the time. But it, it shows kind of, you know, teams can get out hot. Obviously, with them playing each other, they're going to be pulling wins away from one another. Mm-hmm. And that could make it a little bit trickier. But I think there's an argument to, to be made for all of these teams outside of the Pirates, to win the Central. I think you could play all of these teams over. It, it is the most interesting, maybe, division, uh, Dane, as we get set up for this truncated season. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, and I think part of that goes back to what I started talking about, right? And you said 
a lot of these teams were at that level last year. And I think this year their schedule is a little bit easier because it will have the Tigers and the Royals dotted in there as well. Well, it is time for us, Kev, to make some picks and plays right here on the early line. Yesterday with Man City, a team that should have taken care of business. One of the things I looked at was their halftime result to not have to pay as much juice. I'm going right back to the well, Kev, with that same strategy today with Manchester United in the first half. For them to win the first half or be up at halftime, it is minus 105. This is in a game where they are huge favorites, and you think they're going to score a ton of goals. Give me Man United to win at halftime, be up at halftime, not it being a draw or anything like that. I think they're going to be up at halftime and it's only minus 105. That is manageable juice to me. That's my play today, Kev. What do you got? I, I love it, by the way. I just want to say it's a massive game for Manchester United. The Marcus Rashford jersey uh, will be on uh, and we will be watching. I, I went back and forth here. I wanted to. I wanted to go golf again, though. Uh, you know, we're having fun okay. with, with, with golf, right? You're into it, be, brother. Cam it, has you. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And and I initially was thinking about kind of, you know, this Tiger Woods over under round one score. Cam talked about it a bit yesterday. He thinks he's probably going to shoot about a 71. You know, this stuff is close. The over 69 and a half. Is that a lot of breathing room? No. But I thought maybe the over could be worth it. It was plus money, but it's now moved. It's minus 112. I'm sure our guy Cam sent people to the window over there. Mm. And we also had, you know, a little bit of a sour note, right, from... Wetzel, in terms of Tiger Woods, right. said that he's going to have uh, over two and a half bogeys, was it? Um, I, I believe it was in round one. So yep. why not a little Tiger positivity? And why not go to the best market in the world, which is the odds boost market at the FanDuel ah. Sportsbook? Let's thank future friend of the program, Pat McAfee. The super boost that is available for Tiger Woods to make the cut at even money. Yeah, it's a $50 bet. Unload the full 50 on it, not win a nice 50 bucks, and carry it over to your weekend. Because I got to be, I got to tell you this right now, Dane. Part of the reason why I'm in on some of these round one bets is I'm hoping to hit and I'm hoping to have a little bit extra in the pocket as we go into another Saturday UFC card. Yeah, I know we're going to be visited by Jay the Sports Keg tomorrow. And I mean, he has been kind to us i want to have a little bit extra in the bankroll so we can get after whatever he gives us all right fair enough you know tiger is the question of the day in his return to the pga tour a little kind of charity match with peyton manning and tom brady and phil mickelson i don't think is the same environment the same stakes even though you know uh then what it will be back at the memorial and kev that is our poll question as well i gotta tell you i gotta tell you this idea of making the cut this boost if it's at even money you know 81 percent of the people in our poll when i do quick math they agree with you kev only 18.5 percent think that tiger will defecate the mattress and miss the cut here over the next couple of days 44 percent including myself have him as a top 10 i mean excuse me a top 20 24% in the top 10, and this is really what it comes down to, right? 13% of people think that Tiger, right out the gate, is going to win the Memorial Tournament. We started this show, Kev, talking about like the juice that Tiger gives to the PGA Tour, to the ratings, to all that. If this doesn't also speak to it, right? 13% of the people in our poll, and we thank everybody for voting. Hit us up at SportsGrid, at Spit and Speeds, at Kevin Walsh. But, you know, 13% of people think Tiger's going to go out there, bang, and just get the job done this weekend. At some point, I I just, I wonder if we ever, not Tiger-esque, I don't know if anybody will ever compare to Tiger, but I just wonder if we'll ever get another star in this sport of anywhere near his level, right? Because it's just a different vibe to it, Dane. This is the most we've ever... We talk, we talk golf on Wednesdays. That's what me and you do, right? We talk golf on Wednesdays with Cam. Yep. And that's it, right? You know, we're now here dedicating segments, full segments, just me and you, getting interested in it. And we'd be, we'd be completely lying to, to act as if his presence doesn't have a big factor in that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we will continue to monitor it. Remember, keep on voting in our poll. But up next here on SportsGrid is the morning after. Ariel Epstein 
and Jared, you know, continuing to give you the edge every morning. And so we spend a couple of minutes right now with the host of this show, Ariel Epstein. And Ariel, I got to ask you, you know, the dead deadlines always create pressure, always create movement. There was a deadline yesterday in the NFL. As you know, the idea of these long-term deals getting signed, right? A lot of these players are going to play on the franchise tag. Derrick Henry did, in fact, come to a deal. The question is really around Dak Prescott, right? Maybe he's going to wind up, you know, making a ton of money going the Kirk Cousins route, but there is no long-term security per se here, and it's still a violent game. There's still coronavirus out there. How do you think this story with Dak and Dallas comes to an end? Well, I think a lot's going to this depend on this year if Dak Prescott can't get the job done and win at least a playoff game with the receiving core that he has and a healthy defense there's no excuse I think that if he does get it done you'll see a miracle deal come together what stood out to me the most in the last couple of days has been Dak Prescott's brother Tad Prescott who tweeted there's a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up or before they drafted Dak, after today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them. Doesn't sound like it went over well. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm brokenhearted, as you can tell by my laugh, to hear that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott cannot figure this thing out. Ariel, we've been talking a lot about golf here on the show today. Tiger is back. What do you make of Tiger being back? And uh, are you guys going to be talking some golf? I'm sure you are over on TMA. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk some golf coming up next, and we'll make sure to monitor the live odds. I faded Tiger Woods this week. I went with the even money. That was about it on the FanDuel odds boost for him to make the cut. Otherwise, we don't have any numbers on Tiger Woods since the coronavirus hiatus. I'd rather put my money on people that analytically I think could end up coming out as the outright winner, top 10s, top 20s. For Tiger Woods, if he comes out on top and he wins this thing, I think it's just a win for any sports fan to be able to watch Tiger in his red shirt on a Sunday. So that's the win I'm going to take from Tiger Woods. Yeah, fair enough. You know, absolutely. We give a shout out to our boy Pat McAfee for giving us all that opportunity to get Tiger making the cut at even money. We got a poll question up as well with that, Ariel. You know, will Tiger miss the cut? Top 20, top 10. Will he go on out there and win? And Ariel, I think this speaks to what Tiger does in the marketplace for golf in general. 14% of our poll think that Tiger's just going to run out there and get the job done and win the tournament this week. Wow. How would you vote on that? Win, top 20, top 10, miss the cut. What do you think? I know you think he makes the cut, but do we see him at the top of the leaderboard? Oh, it's a tough one. He does really well here, yet... It, again, it's hard to tell because we don't know how Tiger... He's older now. How is he going to come off of a long break? The last thing that we saw Tiger participate in was the match with Tom Brady and right. Peyton Manning. And what so, are we really taking I mean, from that, right? He can do better top than Tom 20, Brady and Maybe top 10. I'm not going to bet That's on that. That's where I voted as well. The morning after is up next. Keep talking about it, homegirl. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 